0: This episode tells a story about a couple of the most important fictional characters in American popular culture. But it's not a pretty story. There are some names and slurs that are offensive. 50 years later, I hope you'll listen and learn how the creators use television to try to heal and improve our society. Okay, so here we are. These are the chairs. It's me, Asif Manvi, again. And I am lost at the Smithsonian again. This time I found some chairs. Is it exciting for you to see these two chairs?
1: I remember them very well.
0: Culturally significant chairs.
1: This show probably had as much impact as any television, probably more than Walter Cronkite's reporting did right. on changing American attitudes.
0: Hello! Archie. How was your day? Lousy. Lousy. For 40 years now, these unassuming chairs have been on display at the National Museum of American History. Why? Well, these chairs are television icons, a well-known set of props from one of the most important shows in the history of television, all in the family.
1: Well, let me tell you one thing about Richard E. Nixon. He knows how to keep his wife at home. Roosevelt could never do that with Eleanor. She was always out on a loose, running around with the collards, telling them they was getting the short end of the stick. She was the one that discovered the collards in this country. We never knew they was
2: there.
0: The voice you're hearing is actor Carol O'Connor. But the bigotry? That belongs to his character, Archie Bunker, the focal point of All in the Family.
1: Oh, let me tell you something. I am so sick of Washington and all its works and all them politicians down there and them congressmen and the congressmen, boy. I'll bet you won't find none of them congressmen turning down their electric blankets tonight.
0: Because if they did, their secretaries would get up and go home. Archie Bunker was, to put it way too mildly, a racist, misogynist, jerk. But his wife, Edith Bunker, was not. Played by Gene Stapleton, Edith was innocent and kind. The simplicity of Edith Bunker was the perfect counterpoint to the narrow minded ire of Archie Bunker. And let me ask you this Do you think Jimmy is roaming
1: around the White House tonight trying to find a meatloaf to warm himself up on? I don't think the car does eat meatloaf.
0: The chairs I found at the Smithsonian were Archie and Edith's living room chairs. Archie's is an easy chair with uh, dingy yellow upholstery. Edith's, on the other hand, is beige with uh, flowers and a doily over the back. And for as much as people love to think that everything you see on television has some glitz and glam behind it, Archie Bunker's chair has a very humble origin story.
3: It was, I actually bought it at Goodwill for, I think, $8. Oh, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. So there was somebody who watched All in the Family.
0: And at some point looked at it and said, I think that's my chair. <laughs> Honey, is that our chair? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just introduce yourselves. I'm Ryan Lintelman. I'm a curator in the entertainment collection.
3: I'm Eric Jens. I'm also a curator in the uh, entertainment collection.
0: I've spoken to each of you separately, but never together. So this is going to be a whole new uh, experience for our, our listeners.
3: Yes. Whether they enjoy it or not, is uh, we'll see. Different, we'll see. Different anyway, uh, all right. So,
0: we are here to talk about Archie Bunker's and Edith's chairs. Just tell me a little bit about how they got here.
3: Um, you don't want to hear anything about the show, we're just going to assume that. What, what, uh, Do people want to know what All in the Family is, or are we just going to assume that they know
0: Well, that? we'll, we'll, yeah, all right, uh, okay, oh, this is, is see, it's already starting out as trouble. I, sh- <laughs> I knew, I shouldn't have had the two of
4: you together. Well, Clearly,
0: say- Eric and Ryan aren't rival curators, and that's a good thing, because they have been tasked with making sure that the bunkers' living room chairs are well cared for. And while caring for old chairs may sound mundane, it's actually an important job, because these chairs are part of a much larger story about how a television show helped America grow. Boy, the way, Glenn Miller played.
1: Songs that made my head parade.
0: All in the Family aired from 1971 to 1979 on CBS. Not only was All in the Family number one in the Nielsen ratings for five years, it also won four Emmys for Outstanding Comedy Series. It challenged audiences so much that the first episode came with a trigger warning. It went like this. The program you're about to see seeks to throw a humorous spotlight on our frailties, prejudices, and concerns. By making them a source of laughter, we hope to show, in a mature fashion, just how absurd they are. American history lesson. You don't know nothing about Lady Liberty standing there in a the hop
1: with her torch on high, screaming out to all the nations in the world send me your poor, your dead beach, your filthy. <laughs> and all the nations sent them in here. They come swarming in <laughs> like ants. Your Spanish PRs from the Caribou in there, your Japs, your Chinamen, your Crouch and your Heaves and your leaving Stars. Come in here, and they're all free to live in their own separate sections.
0: One of Archie Bunker's favorite punching bags was his son-in-law, Michael Stivick, played by Rob Reiner. Michael and Archie would argue about, well, everything. And the arguments frequently ended with Archie calling Michael a meathead or a polack. Yeah, what I want to
1: tell you is well, you've got a lot to answer for, especially you, me, that it was all your fault. Me? What did I do? was born a Polack, that's what you did.
0: <laughs> but Archie had to put up with Michael, at least a little bit, because he was married to Archie's daughter, Gloria, played by Sally Struthers. Instead of being mad at Michael, you ought to thank him. He bailed you out. The battles in the bunker's living room mirrored the battles taking place in American society in the same era. Race, the Vietnam War, gay liberation, the Equal Rights Amendment. Archie's viewpoint on all these topics was deeply flawed. And more often than not, it was his sincere and gullible wife, Edith, who exposed those flaws.
1: Now let me tell you something you're forgetting lately. A man's home is his castle. And in this here castle, I am king.
0: (laughs) And I am queen. (laughs) At the time, the tradition was for television comedies to depict families, like the Bunkers, living in a world without conflict. For producer Norman Lear... That lack of conflict was sending a dangerous message that America was similarly conflict-free.
2: The biggest problem was uh, Mother dented Defender, the and how are we going to prepare Dad for this, or the boss is coming to dinner and the meatloaf is ruined, or... which suggested that there were no race problems in America, there were no drug problems in America, because there was no family angst and no illness.
1: I got a lump in my breast. What did you just say? I got a lump oh,
3: it. It was a hit with the American public and was actually a high-water moment in uh, American television history. It was one of the first things, the, the chairs from the show were two of the first things that they really wanted to collect because uh, it was such an obvious kind of narrative to connect American history and issues with television.
0: All in the Family was an important show. It even got the attention of sitting president Jimmy Carter.
2: President Carter
1: said today that all he was really worried about Sunday night was that the signing ceremony at the end of the Camp David Summit would not interrupt All in the Family.
0: The cast of All in the Family actually got to meet Jimmy and Rosalind Carter in 1978. Some members
1: of the cast of the TV show visited the White House today. They were in town to donate the chairs Archie and Edith use on the program to the Smithsonian Institution. Where else?
0: But since All in the Family was still on the air... The donation may have been a touch
4: premature. And when they were donated in 1978, you know, there was a big ceremony here and, you know, people from Congress came and all this stuff. It was a big deal. And then the show got renewed for another season. Mm. So Norman Lear and his production company requested the furniture back. But once it is in the museum's collection, (laughs) we can't honor that. And so we said, we're sorry. You know, we really appreciate your donation. They're on display. Everybody loves them. Good luck. And they had to recreate so the chairs. You didn't give
0: them back. No, never. Wow. No.
4: Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> they had to recreate the chairs, and it cost like fifteen thousand dollars for them to recreate these eight-dollar chairs. I know for myself, it was
0: the first time I became aware uh, of the Smithsonian at all mm-hmm. was through mm-hmm. knowing that Archie Bunker's chair was in the Smithsonian.
3: I was going to ask how you were familiar with the show. Did you watch it when you were a kid, or did you just know if it's... I'll
0: be doing the questions, Mr. No. I, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I did. I did. Uh, you know, I grew up in England, so we didn't watch uh, All in the Family the way that we watched Happy Days and other mm-hmm. shows. But then when I came to America in the 80s, it wasn't, it wasn't on anymore. But I found it on syndication. We had a show in England, actually, that All in the Family was inspired by, I guess.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You're nodding your head, Ryan. You yeah. clearly know the name of that show. Till Death
4: Do Us Part? That's yes. Great. Good. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, that I think that the, the thing you're saying is really interesting, that for you this captured something about America because I think the show was so revolutionary when it came out, right? I mean, the shows that were popular in the late 60s were these fantastic bizarre shows like Gilligan's Island or I Dream of Jeannie and things like that right. that were anything but political and topical and focused on the, the moment, right? right? But then this show comes out and it's like yeah, this is the part of your family life that you don't want anyone to see when you're arguing with your family about politics. Our national anthem. Oh,
1: good. The national anthem. That means they ain't
4: started yet. We're in luck.
1: That is one terrible song. <laughs> don't start up nothing with me meathead i'm watching a game that's a beautiful song and shut your face oh it's the song glorifies war and even as a song it stinks nobody can remember the words you're gonna ruin this game for me can you remember the words me, i can't come on give me the first few lines of the national anthem oh I- Satan, you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed off the see.
4: You know, like this is the stuff that you would hide at the Thanksgiving table that right. these the issues are happening, and yet people are welcoming that into their living rooms. And it captured this moment when everything was upturned, so the culture wars are beginning. And this show is like, pay attention to this.
2: The
1: next step is to get them to pay me like a fella. What do you mean by that? Oh, they're putting me on regular next week, but they're paying me less than they paid the man who used to run the forklift. Oh, well, come on. Now, Irene, after all, it's a well known fact uh, men are worth more than women.
4: I think there was a reaction against All in the Family by people saying, like, this is not what entertainment is for. You know, we shouldn't be, like, exposing all these nerves, right? In taking the chairs, that backlash entered the museum, too. So, you know, we've got all these letters from people who were so angry that the museum would collect this chair that represents a bigot or that represents this moment in in politics entering the entertainment sphere. And why would we put that in here alongside George Washington's uniform and Abraham Lincoln's hat? Right. That's so interesting that there would be a backlash to that. I think that sort of works with also how the
3: museum was viewed by collecting popular culture, that we were somehow not doing the country a service by somehow extolling popular culture as being important. So we got it from both ends, and we have letters to attest to that, which are some are kind of fun in retrospect, and I thought you might want to hear what the public had to say yeah. in the 1970s. But, yeah.
0: So wait, are you saying that they, were, they felt like you were condoning the racism yes. and the bigotry by having Archie's chair here?
3: Yes, I think that's something as we've discussed uh, throughout the, the series that people look at our collecting as some sort of enshrinement. Mm. That somehow we are validating something as being somehow like a hall of fame. That these are these are these Honorific. honorifics, right? As opposed to the fact that these are things that changed television that changed. Uh, culture and also reflect our history right and so there's a lot of talk about why would you enshrine someone like Archie Bunker who has such bigoted viewpoints
4: Uh, this is from somebody writing to the secretary of the Smithsonian so the person who oversees everything this morning I learned via the radio news that Archie Bunker's chair was now ensconced in the Smithsonian institution near George Washington's effects how silly can you get no wonder you're always having to ask Congress for money to build new buildings and hire more personnel if the Smithsonian is just going to be cluttered up with junk like this. Very truly yours. I don't you know his name, but. I like very truly it, yours it nice. at the end. Right.
3: <laughs> Our secretary, maybe not responding to that actual letter, had his own response to our collecting popular culture items. And he said, most people, I believe, come to the Smithsonian and other museums as places to view treasured achievements that are tangible as well as enduring. But if the relics of TV are accepted as additions to the permanent collections of museums with accompanying fanfare, is there not some danger that we will contribute to the ongoing erosion of vital standards of judgment and performance in the society at large? This was our own secretary at the time of the collection.
0: Wow. So there was a backlash to even just the idea of collecting television or memorabilia from entertainment. It's this archaic sort of idea of what a museum should be about which yeah, is so
4: archaic <laughs> right Well, the argument that's made by historians of culture like us is that, you know, it's the stuff that you see, that you do every day, that you talk to people about, that helps you to form your opinions about the people around you, the world, the political issues of the day. Well, that's exactly, I mean, this is the best example we have, is All in the Family, right? And I think it's taken us a long time to try to convince people, and not just us at this museum, but historians in general, that that's really relevant, important, maybe even more important than the letters of generals from the Revolutionary War in determining how the nation, Progresses, You know, this is the historical developments of the country.
0: It may seem like hyperbole to compare all in the family to the Revolutionary War, but the show was revolutionary in its own right. Blue-collar characters like Archie Bunker were practically invisible in the television landscape of the time. Even more invisible was seeing interactions like this in an episode called The Elevator Story.
1: It would appear the elevator has stopped.
0: See, we can make a move.
1: See, this, 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 no,
0: nothing, no action. Here's Archie trapped in an elevator well, like with a black businessman played by the late Roscoe out. Lee Brown and a Puerto Rican janitor played by Hector Elizondo.
1: Senor, Pedro, can somebody translate what I'm saying for this speak here? <laughs> it's not necessary, mister. This is speak, I speak English.
0: Five decades later, Emmy Award-winning actor Hector Elizondo remembers.
1: Pages of the calendar ruffle backwards now. Yes.
0: And I'm talking about 1970, right?
1: Well, a janitor is the guy I'm trying to get a hold of. I am the janitor.
0: When you read the script for The Elevator, did you feel like, oh, this is another one of these stereotypical Hispanic roles that I'm getting asked to play? Or did you say, no, this when is I really when I heard, interesting? When I heard
1: the story, I said, uh-huh, this is what it's going to be. And then when I read the script and I started rehearsing, I realized it wasn't. This is not, not that at all. Pedro, you got to go through that trap door and get help. Okay, if he's going to keep you quiet, i go get help. Hey, good boy, Pedro, give you a boost up there. I am not a boy, I am a man, and my name is Carlos. Carlos it is, Pedro, anything you say. (laughs) Get up there and go through the door to the next floor and get some help.
0: Hector's character is in the elevator with his very pregnant wife who's going into labor.
1: This is nuts! Don't get panicky, Bunker. These people have had babies before.
0: But why can't they have them in a hospital?
1: That's where I had mine. I bet the hospital is still buzzing over that. <laughs> Mister, we already have three babies born in the hospital. Yeah, that? Three ain't enough of them. He's got to have another one in the car, and now one in a building between floors. <laughs> These people don't care where, when, or how many. They don't seem to be interested in learning modern birth control methods, do they? Oh, listen to this guy that ain't the black calling a kettle pot. Finally, you were showing a black man who was far more educated than the bigot, and without making it stereotypical. But it is a truism that you people do have more children than you can normally handle. My comment was purely socioeconomic, nothing personal. Uh, well, let me explain something to you, huh? One, how many children we have is because we love each other. Two, you talk very intelligent, mister, but you're not so smart, huh? See, shut up your face.
0: <laughs> and then you realize, interestingly, that he is then uh, He's has not ra- racism toward or prejudice towards your character. Yeah, right. um, exactly. as a Hispanic. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it broke the
1: stereotype.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. I know, I know those right?
1: people from my neighborhood. You know what the heck? So I, I knew them, but I never saw them portrayed on TV. So we love that. Roscoe loved that aspect, and so did I. We were very comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, We're and I don't think he experience. saw that on television, that Never. idea of a black no. man uh, being racist towards no. a Hispanic No. No, uh, no, that's another trope. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was, you, a, that you, was something... You, 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 broke, you broke that stereotype.
1: Please, I need something clean to put the baby on. Do you have a newspaper, please? Oh, yes, uh,
0: Bunker, you have a
1: newspaper. Yeah, I got the Daily News. It figures. Got a little boy, man.
0: The Elevator Story episode later won an Emmy, one of 22 Emmys for All in the Family. Producer Norman Lear showed very real struggles for people like Archie Bunker. And Archie's arguments with strangers in an elevator or with his family at home represented huge cultural and generational shifts that were playing out across the country.
3: Norman Lear has a quote that he wanted to put the audience in the show. It wasn't about these fantastical people or stories, that it was really an attempt to show this is what's going on in people's homes, so why not have a show about that so people could really relate to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting you said that we're talking in the past as if these were like, you know, here's what was going on at the time, women's issues... <laughs> You know, issues about representation. Yeah, so now, it's a good right? thing that, that all the family all happened problems, and right. then now we don't have those right. kind right, of sure. conflicts anymore. <laughs> but I do think, you know, it showed that that really exposed America and the fact that we're still dealing with those shows how prescient he was and saying these are the things that define America.
0: Over the course of his career, Norman Lear produced, created, or developed more than 100 television shows. And in 2017, He was a Kennedy Center honoree. Many people from Lear's career and life came out to honor him. And so did Archie and Edith's chairs. These two chairs are the
1: actual chairs that Edith and Archie sat in, and they are on loan uh, to us from the Smithsonian Institution.
0: All in the Family was a pioneering sitcom. It made satire a viable primetime option for television networks. And in so doing, it paved the way for shows like The Daily Show and countless others. I was beyond honored to get the opportunity to talk to Norman Lear via Skype. I can see his hat.
2: You got it. The face is, <laughs> the face is right under it.
0: <laughs> he showed up to our interview wearing his signature white boat hat. Can we tilt the camera down a little bit here? Yes. There we go. Nice to meet you. Good. I see you again, rather.
2: Good to meet you. We have seen one another
0: before. We huh? have. we've 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 uh, run into each other a few times.
2: Is your hair longer? Why do I lo- do I not look the same? I don't maybe it's the I don't know. It could be my eyesight at ninety six also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Full disclosure. Norman and I met a few years ago when he gave me some funds for a Peabody Award winning web series I created called Halal in the Family, which may or may not have been inspired by a show Norman had something to do with at one point in his career. Well, you're 96, so I imagine that you are now just kicking back in your rocking chair, drinking lemonade, enjoying the sunset. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. Among uh, other things, like getting up in the morning, working out, and coming to work. (laughs) You're still busy
0: working and producing and doing things? Uh, Yeah,
2: we're on the Sony lot. I'm in my office on the Sony lot as we speak.
0: And after all these years, Norman Lear still feels the impact of all in the family.
2: I hear three times a week right now. People talking to me about, you know, my dad and I, we never had a better time than watching All in the Family together. I hear it stated that way all the time today. People remembering 40 years ago when they were a kid and they laughed with their dads or their moms and dads.
0: In all of your life's work, where does All in the Family fit in?
2: All in the Family is at the pinnacle. It was the show that, in a sense, made me a hero because I created it. It's ensured what I became in the future. I mean, it was the kickstarter of a lovely career.
0: Did you think about it consciously, about what you, that you were going to lean into the political side of this, that you were going to make a point about our culture?
2: No, I I thought we were making a show about a family. And these were the characters, and this is how they would behave. Right. I grew up in a household that was uh everybody lived at the top of their lungs and the edge of their nerves. And <laughs> so I had that going for me. I knew right. what family feuds were like.
0: Were the characters of Archie and Edith based on your parents or any anybody you knew? Well,
2: to to some extent. You know, my father carried on a bit like Archie.
0: But did he use some of those words, meathead and, uh, you know, all that stuff? Did did your dad say that? Yes.
2: Yes. Jeanette stifle. That (laughs) that was my dad. (laughs)
0: That was your dad?
2: (laughs) That was my dad.
1: All right. We both own a house. We both own a furniture. We both own a window, half and half. I want my half closed. (laughs) Now, stifle yourself, will you? Oh, that's a terrible thing to say. What, a stifle? Yeah, how can you say that to me? I've been saying that to you for years. So you didn't know what you stifled? you said it again.
2: But Carol O'Connor brought Carol O'Connor's Archie to it. Right. He sat down opposite me when I uh, brought him in for a reading. And within the first three speeches, I knew I had Archie Bunker. It was him. Right. I, I didn't imagine that.
0: And did you feel frustrated sometimes that people didn't get the joke in terms of the character of Archie, this conservative, white, racist, bigot? I know that there are many people who sort of saw him as a hero, as a a justification of of certain Uh feelings. And did you feel frustrated by that?
2: No. I knew going in that that if it worked, if it was successful, that would happen. People, you know, one of them was Richard Nixon.
0: Now Archie was a big Nixon fan, wasn't he? He was a big Nixon fan, and but, and, and but Nixon, Nixon was a big
2: like... N- Nixon was a big fan of his, and <laughs> and hated me, because uh, I was making fun of a good man.
0: Really? Yeah. So Nixon was one of the people who felt like you were that's portraying got, this.
2: That's how I got yeah. on his list. I was on his
0: enemies list. Oh wow. It's, a, it's quite an achievement. I, I can't. <laughs> Where did you get the stories from? Were they just from your own life, the lives of the writers that were writing the show, or was it something you looked for in the culture?
2: I had told my writing team to read a couple of newspapers and to pay great attention to their marriages and their children and their children's problems. And this is what we wrote from. This is the uh, ground we we dug up looking for the storylines.
0: Do you have a a favorite episode? Oh, hello. Is this the Bunker residence? Yeah, I'm Mrs. Bunker. Oh, I'm Beverly LaSalle. Is your husband home? Way ahead of his time, his favorite of all episodes was about Beverly LaSalle and her unexpected encounter with Archie.
4: Well, uh, sit down. How are you feeling now? Oh, much better now, thank you. The doctor said it was complete exhaustion. I'd been working very hard, and I guess I was just worn out. Oh, well, it's a good thing you wore
1: out with Archie.
2: Archie was driving a cab, and he gave... The the woman in the back of his cab was ill, and he gave her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. She came to thank the cab driver, she found the address, came to thank the cab driver for saving her life, and she was transgender. And I see Archie I see. had given mouth to mouth to this born a boy. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it was very funny. But what, then a year later, she was killed for being who she was in some street. And Edith couldn't believe in a God that could see that happen. She was, and she lost her faith.
1: I ain't going to church. Don't say that, Edith. Come on, Christmas Day. For the sake of the family, you ought to run over there and say a <laughs> few prayers, huh? I, I, I wouldn't know what to pray no more, Archie. I I ain't going. You go yourself if you want to. I'm going to go. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. No, no, no choice. We won't bring the thing up no more. But, but please don't go home now, Edith. Everybody's. I, ex- I, come I here, come here. here. No, put no the sit down. In sit in right no, here no, in my no, chair, no, Edith. Now, let's open some more presents here, huh?
0: You're 96 years old. When were the good old days? Were there good old days?
2: Well, I mean, in my personal life, there were good old days every week of my life. Right. You know, there were two little words that I don't think we... We don't give enough credit to or for. Uh, Over and next. When something is over, it is over, and we're on to next. And if there was a... uh, hammock in the middle of those two words it would be the best way of defining living in the moment the hammock between over and next
0: do you and live in the moment
2: i think i pretty much do
0: is that the secret to your success this
2: is as good a moment as i've ever known because i'm having it because i'm I'm looking at you now no thank you and in an inter- a conversation that interests what the hell is wrong with this this is great
0: this is great, right? We're having the best time <laughs> yes. that can possibly be had by two people in this moment. In this moment.
2: Right. I, I have is that, no doubt of it. Are you a spiritual man? I think so. Religious, no.
0: But you believe in a higher power and a force in a
2: yeah, in I, the comedy I, gods. I, I believe there are answers to every question. And I have no problem not knowing, because mm-hmm. I feel I will at some point. Yeah. When he, she, or it says, now, Norman.
0: <laughs> right, right. I look at you, and you're 96. You're, you're still working. You're still producing. You're still as active as you ever were. What's the secret to that? What motivates you to get up every day and go?
2: I am seriously in love with waking up every morning. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. There's always that next I was talking about. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Do you still have mountains you haven't climbed, ambitions you haven't seen through yet? Professionally, do you have things that you still want to do?
2: Oh, yes.
0: What have you not done?
2: Uh, I've not done anything tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, you've spoken like a true Buddhist. You're a Buddhist. <laughs> I,
2: I'll take that. <laughs>
0: you really do live in the moment. You live exactly for now.
2: I hope so. I like to think yeah. I do. I think it's the best way to do it.
0: Well, Norman, thank you so much for all your work. And thanks for everything thank you've done you. over the years. And thanks for this moment right now.
2: Thank you for the pleasure of this moment. I couldn't have thank enjoyed you. it more. My favorite expression in the English language, to be continued.
0: There you go. To be continued. Norman Lear creator of All in the Family, and the guy who managed to make Two Chairs famous. He transformed our views of what television was and could be and showed the way for so many of us to make bold television, too. That's it for this episode of Lost at the Smithsonian. I'm Asif Manvi. Who knows what I'll find next time. Now, first of all, let me ask you this. Is it Pele or is it Pele?
2: I would just call him the king.
0: Okay, well, that, you see, that clip gives it away, but forget what you just heard, okay? Prepare to be surprised by the next episode of Lost at the Smithsonian. Lost at the Smithsonian is produced by Mary Beth Kirshner. Our executive producer and editor is Ellen Weiss. Technical support from Robin Wise, fact-checking from Danielle Roth, and scripting by Alex Berg. Mixing and sound design by Casey Holford and John Delore. Original theme music by Casey Holford. Our supervising producer is Jordan Bell, and our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Huge thanks to the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, Eric Jents, Ryan Lintelman, John Troutman, and Laura Duff, for all their help in making this show. Lost at the Smithsonian is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. I'm your host, Asif Manvi. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Asif, and Facebook at Asif Manvi. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. Thank you so much for listening.